And welcome back to today's podcast. Today we're going to be discussing three key reasons why many people don't trust, quote, the science. Why would that be? Why would people not trust the science? Isn't science everything? Isn't science perfect? Isn't something, isn't science the most logical thing to rely on? Isn't it proven? Isn't it proven beyond a a doubt? Well, uh, these are some of the things we're going to get into today. I'm really just going to touch on the subject because I have a lot, lot more to say, a lot more to research. I've been hearing from other people, you know, which books to read and I haven't yet read the books. And when I read those books, I'm going to give you more. But today is going to be um, a good beginning, a good beginning to the background of this whole topic. So first of all, the first thing that you have to know, I would say, is that there's an idea that's uh, existed since the beginning of time practically, which is the idea of depopulating the world um, or eugenics kinds of ideas. And uh, for example, they quote Plato as having uh, such such thoughts and putting forth such thoughts that there are certain people that deserve to live because they're a certain refined level and other people that aren't as refined kind of like a a human hygiene thing, you know, get rid of the undesirables. And so, uh, so there's always been the elites of the world, different monarchs that have had such an idea in their mind of, uh, of, of getting rid of people. The people used to sacrifice their children. So this is kind of human sacrifice, you know, the Aztecs going back a few hundred years, People have had very interesting concepts of when one is allowed to take a life. And it was it's very different from the way we live nowadays where we respect human life and we can't imagine that anybody would take a human life. I'm going to uh, fill you in a little bit of what happened in Nazi Germany just to understand what happened there. People think... That was just some crazy guy who got up and uh, attacked, you know, uh, specific populations. Really what happened there was that was after a long, um, a long philosophical, um, philosophical um, way of thinking in Germany at that time. And that was started by an institute, which everybody should really knows should knows about. Excuse me, should know about Kaiser Wilhelm Institute. That was founded in 1927. The Kaiser Wilhelm Institute. That's really the source of all the eugenics for for those who. Some people probably heard of eugenics. Some haven't. Eugenics is where you basically, like I said, you you based on genes. You say a certain population or a certain race might be deserving of life because they're on a higher level, they're more refined, 
and other races are, are not as refined, so therefore they should actually uh, have their life taken. And as they would say, quote-unquote, to prevent the degeneration of the human race. You know, it's kind of hard to talk about. We can't imagine such a thing, but that was the prevalent uh, way of thinking of that time. Uh, so they started 1927, the Kaiser Wilhelm Institute in Germany, and uh, they had some of the top scholars, of course, anthropologists, geneticists, and eugenics. So um, I guess that's where it's, it's different from, from the previous generations like Plato and those people had their, their assumptions or their beliefs, theological beliefs probably, um, philosophical beliefs. And in Germany, it was based on genetics, quote unquote, the science. Does that ring a bell? The science. So that's where, that's one place in our recent history um, where the science took over and they did everything in the name of the science. We know approximately 6 million Jews were murdered and, uh, and more, you know, tortured. And uh, 20 million people, actually, they say many, many Russian, many millions of Russian people. And so um, that was the center of social development. The head of that Kaiser Wilhelm Institute was a man, obviously an evil guy by the name of Eugene Fisher, evil, evil man. Um, obviously a smart man, but... Uh, that did not make him a good man because people can be smart and they're not very good. They're actually evil. They're kind of like mad scientists. So this Eugene Fischer was the head of the Kaiser Wilhelm Institute. And actually they said that Hitler, uh, when he was in jail, um, he, he read the books of this, this person, Fischer, Eugene, Eugene Fischer. And based on that later on, the uh, Nuremberg laws were developed where it was basically a way to separate the, uh, the, the races that were, that were quote unquote, according to science inferior, such as Jewish people. And uh, if you look it up online, I was surprised to see there were actually some black people that were part of a, the, the French army. There were some Africans, African French um, that were French African soldiers that are left over from World War One. They were still living living in in Germany at that time, and they they did experiments on them as they were alive. They cut open their heads. Horrible, horrible things. And so this was all done in the name of science. The Nuremberg laws that separated Jews. Also, especially uh, a German woman was not allowed to work in a, Jew in, a German, in, a, in a Jewish house under age 45. They couldn't have uh, relations, men and women, intimate relations, um, intercourse. And that was the beginning of the Holocaust, the extermination of 6 million Jews and how many million other people. All in the name of science. So... Um, the idea is that science should govern, that science should control government. All of the this decisions of, of the government 
was to be uh, based on science. And it's worth noting who who gave the funding. Of course, every organization needs funding. And besides the uh, German government, which mostly funded the Kaiser Wilhelm Institute, also from America, there was funding coming in from the Rockefeller Center, which uh, claimed to be, you know, a great humanitarian society. If you look them up, you know, uh, Bill Gates and many people are connected with them. And they say they're here to help the environment and health issues and education issues. And they're like some, they present themselves as a, some great um, humanitarians. But this is one uh, institute, or excuse me, one, uh, one example of the Rockefeller Center um, really um, mixing in to places which they shouldn't have been. And this will come up as I do probably more podcasts. Um, we'll talk about this more and more, um, their activities. Anyways, so where do you have this nowadays? This is, I'll give you a report here that I have um, that made it into the mainstream news. Of course, not a theory, but uh, here you have uh, mainstream news, Wall Street Journal, um, the, uh, the the London Times. This is 0509, January, February, March, April, May, May 09. And uh, so that's May 2009. You had the, the, this group of billionaires, Bill Gates, Soros, George Soros, Oprah Winfrey, um, Ted Turner, who is, of course, the founder of CNN. They called themselves the Good Club. Ellie Broad, Michael Bloomberg, many billionaires that got together. And uh, it was reported, of course, that they were going to discuss health care, education, growing population. And isn't it interesting how they're they have these discussions as if they control the world, as if they can, um, you know, as if they're in charge of all these categories. In any case, um, according to the London Times, the main topic of discussion was how to shrink the population because they have uh, they have theories which they claim it's science, which I hope to uh, get into it other times, but obviously wrong. But what they'll say is that the human population is growing at a huge rate and the food supply is growing at a, at a slower rate. And so therefore, you know, so there's going to be a come a time when there's going to be a huge famine and everybody's going to die. And so that's why they have to come up ideas with ideas of how to uh, populate, depopulate. And um, so that's the first, that's the first thing that I found very interesting. This is, this is um, a very important topic to them. If you look, you can look up George Soros, uh, Ted Turner, look all this up and verify for yourself, Bill Gates, on depopulating the world and overpopulation. And you'll see 
And they've been talking about this for years. Ted Turner, the guy who founded CNN, he actually, um, he wanted America to go into what communist China did, basically that people should have one child. As I, I heard it, that he wanted one child. Um, the, the video that I saw, he said one or two children voluntarily According to what I heard, he also said at one point, not voluntarily. But anyways, we'll just go voluntarily. People should choose to have one or two children. And, uh, of course, to save the world. Well, guess how many children Ted Turner has? Ted Turner has five children. So uh, not surprising. One example of where these billionaires uh, preach for other people, but they don't keep for themselves. And uh, another one of the uh, the ways that they uh, that they have uh, set up to reduce population is women's education, secondary education. Um, in all the countries where women have secondary education, they tend to have smaller families. This has worked in Ethiopia, in Niger, in Yemen. And you see in America, people are having less children. And uh, there's many theories as to why it is. I don't find any of them satisfying, except for the fact that part of what they do is family planning. They call it family planning, which sounds like a great thing. Um, you know, um, just, uh, you know, consider how many children you want to have. Consider if you can afford it. And that's that. But you never know how that kind of indoctrination could turn into don't have children. Also, the, uh, the abortion clinics around the world, that's more of a theory, but uh, fits right into their narrative. And I'll get into the abortion clinics also. But if you think about the, the words family planning, kind of sounds like Planned Parenthood. And, um, and of course, I'll get into that one later also, not in this podcast, but a different one. Planned Parenthood. Yeah. So um, anyways, that's another way to reduce the population. And then you have Bill Gates, you go online, and you type in depopulation and vaccines. And uh, it's very interesting because he has a, he has many videos about this. Um, where one, I have here one, one of them does, this is the title of the video, does saving more lives lead to depopulation? Does saving more lives lead to depopulation? In other words, Bill Gates is very concerned. He says that he is saving lives in third world countries. Um, and at the same time, he always talks about overpopulation. Um, by the way, Bill Gates' father was one of the uh, CEOs or had a, had a higher position in Planned Parenthood. Uh, that's He himself said that. Um, hope one day I hope to you know to have the cutout videos, but um, anyways, so so he explains that don't worry, um, 
as he saves lives in third world countries, he's not increasing the population because actually as they, um, as their health improves, they choose to have less children. As their health improves, families choose to have less children. That's a quote from him. And so, you know, I wonder, you were probably wondering yourself, how is it that, how is it that it happens? How does that happen, that improving health um, leads to smaller amount of, smaller families? It's kind of like saying women's education causes less children, which is a fact, of course, by, by all the major institutions, Harvard and the Atlantic. You look it up online, Harvard and the Atlantic and many others, they all say that women's education reduces population. And now he's saying improved health reduces population. Well, he doesn't explain how is that. What does he mean by improved health? And if you look at Bill Gates' videos, it seems like the main thing that Bill Gates is really doing in the third world countries is vaccines. So for some reason, so that's it. He's so, so before you get into any suspicion or theories, um, Bill Gates is basically improving their life with vaccines and they willingly have less children. Now, that's got to make sense, though. He doesn't get into any logic why that would be. That leads people to think that inside those vaccines that he is distributing, um, there is something which either will make people impotent or it will reduce testosterone in men and therefore they'll have less sex drive and they won't want to do it. They don't want to have children. There's some connection between the vaccines and less children. And... Um, it would not be the first time that people are being sterilized. Um, this happened many times throughout history. I'll get to a different time. And um, yeah, this is also written in books, according to people. You know, and uh, so we'll get to that at a different time as well. But um, that's that. Number three, you have the famous Tuskegee study. That is, I learned that universities, that's mainstream university, uh, you know, university taught that there's a uh, county in Tuskegee, Alabama, and they had done a, a medical study um, you know, they, they were, they were, they claimed to, to, they, they came to an African-American population that was living in Tuskegee, Alabama. And they told them that they're going to cure their syphilis. They told them they had a cure to syphilis. And this happened in 1932. It started in 1932 until the 70s, as we'll get to that. So you had around, uh, you know, however many it was, many people went to get treated for syphilis and they didn't get any treatment. What happened was they got a placebo. Later in the 1940s, a few years later, around eight years later or so, they came out with an actual medicine. They came out with penicillin, which actually helps uh, heal syphilis or somewhat. And they specifically did not give it to the people that were in the Tuskegee studies because... 
They wanted to study what would happen to them as their syphilis continued over time. In other words, think about it. How could you give them a remedy of penicillin to heal their syphilis? If that happens, we, we're not going to know what happens to syphilis patients over time. We won't, they were used for long-term studies. How are you going to do a long-term study on sick people if they're healed? So they can't, so they, they specifically maintained them so that they wouldn't heal. And so many of them suffered um, damage to their vital organs. Many of them even died. And this was only revealed in the early 70s um, by one of the people that suffered from that. And so, you know, came out later. Basically, it came out 40 years after this conspiracy happened. This wasn't this wasn't accidental. This was on purpose. This was deliberate. And this is one way of taking care of, excuse me, taking advantage of the African American community. And they say there's distrust in the African American community. And uh, but I think you know, this has definitely contributed to the larger human population, American population, human population. This, this study was done by the American government. This study was done by top agencies. This wasn't done by anybody else. And I'm going to close with one idea about science. Science is really supposed to have a, a, a method. You make a hypothesis, you test your hypothesis, and you have results. And so the results can change all the time. That's real science. Real science is never definite. You're always open to another study. Maybe the study, you know, people, you know, a real scientist will examine his study and, and maybe make a new study because there's new variables in the study. And uh, maybe, you know, for example, it may work, you know, the science may, may be true on one population, uh, another population, or in a certain type of people with a certain type of gene and not another type of gene. Science is never written in stone. So this idea of the science being written in stone and follow the science as if it's not changeable is just a wrong way of thinking. It's plain it's bad science. It's the opposite of the definition of science. Um, a couple examples, antibiotics, you know, recently, only recently they realized that antibiotics could be harmful if people have it too often and it could stop working. Before that, they were just giving out antibiotics as they felt. And uh, one more thing I'll add, I studied psychology. I, I majored in psychology in college. Somebody would ask you, what's the most common um, psychological type of th therapy? You know, there's many types. There's analytical, and there's a human human humanitarian uh, method of psychology. There's a cognitive behavioral method of psychology. They're always coming up with new ones. Well, I'll tell you that I've read uh, scholarly papers written by top professors in each of the each of the categories in the humanitarian category, 
in the analytic category. And they always tell you that their method is the most effective and their method is the most widely used. Of course, that's not so. But they write it because they want to prop up their way of doing it. And so, anyways, I hope that was helpful. I'm about to run out of time within five minutes. I have five minutes left, but uh, that's what I see here on my screen. I have 30 minutes maximum. I'll find out why that is. But anyways, I hope that was insightful. Again, I hope to follow up more. I know this is longest. I ran a lot longer than I thought it would be. But um, I hope to expand on this more in the future. Um, of course, it's not the end. I still recommend studying science and going to doctors, of course. But this is just, um, you know, another part of the big puzzle. Thank you for listening. Have a great day.